0: Chapter thirty five of the Double Trader by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This Lieberbox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter thirty five Anna passed her hand through Norgate's arm and led him forcibly away from the shop window before which they had been standing. My mind is absolutely made up, she declared firmly. I adore shopping. I love Bond Street. And I rather like you but I will have no more trifles, as you call them. If you do not obey, I shall gaze into the next tobacconist's window we pass, and go in and buy you all sorts of unsmokable and unusable things. And, oh, dear, here is the Count. I feel like a child who has played truant from school. What will he do to me, Francis?' "'Don't worry, dear,' Norgate laughed. "'We're coming to the end of this tutelage, you know.' Count Lanyoki, who had stopped his motor-car, came across the street towards them. He was, as usual, irreproachably attired. He wore white gaiters, patent shoes, and a grey tall hat. His black hair, a little thin at the forehead, was brushed smoothly back. His moustache, almost black but streaked with grey, was twisted upwards. He had, as always, the air of having just left the hands of his valet. "'Dear Baroness,' he exclaimed as he accosted her, "'London has been searched for you. At the embassy my staff are reduced to despair.' telephones notes telegrams and personal calls have been in vain since lunchtime yesterday it seemed to us that you must have found some other sphere in which to dwell perhaps i have anna laughed i am so sorry to have given you all this trouble but yesterday well let me introduce if i may my husband mr francis norgate we were married by special license yesterday afternoon the count's amazement was obvious diplomatist though he was It was several seconds before he could collect himself and rise to the situation. He broke off at last, however, in the midst of a string of interjections, and realized his duties. My dear Baroness, he said, my dear lady, let me wish you every happiness. And you, sir, he added, turning to Norgate, you must have, without a doubt, my most hearty congratulations. There, that is said. And now, to more serious matters. Baroness, have you not always considered yourself the ward of the Emperor? she nodded his majesty has been very kind to me she admitted at the same time i feel that i owe more to myself than i do to him his first essay at interfering in my affairs was scarcely a happy one was it perhaps not the count replied and yet think what you have done you have married an englishman i thought english people were quite popular in Vienna. anna reminded him the count hesitated that he declared is scarcely the question what troubles me most is that forty-eight hours ago i brought you a dispatch from the emperor you brought anna pointed out what really amounted to an order to return at once to vienna well you see i have disobeyed it they were standing at the corner of clifford street and the count with a little gesture led the way into the less crowded thoroughfare dear baroness he continued as they walked slowly along i am placed now in a most extraordinary position the emperor's telegram was of serious import it cannot be that you mean to disobey his summons well i really couldn't put off being married could i anna protested especially when my husband had just got the special license besides i do not wish to return to vienna just now the count glanced at norgate and appeared to deliberate for a moment the state of affairs in the east he said is such that it is certainly wiser for everyone just now to be within the borders of their own country.' "'You believe that things are serious?' Anna inquired. "'You believe, then, that real trouble is at hand?' "'I fear so,' the Count acknowledged. "'It appears to us that Servia has a secret understanding with Russia, or she would not have ventured upon such an attitude as she is now adopting towards us. If that be so, the possibilities of trouble are immense, almost boundless. That is why, Baroness, the Emperor has sent for you.' "'That is why I think you should not hesitate to at once obey a summons.' Anna looked up at her companion, her eyes wide open, a little smile parting her lips. "'But, Count,' she exclaimed, "'you seem to forget. A few days ago all that you say to me was reasonable enough. But to-day there is a great difference, is there not? I have married an Englishman. Henceforth this is my country.' There was a moment's silence. The Count seemed dumbfounded he stared at anna as though unable to grasp the meaning of her words forgive me baroness he begged i cannot for the moment realize the significance of this thing do you mean me to understand that you consider yourself now an englishwoman i do indeed she assented there are many ties which still bind me to austria ties count she proceeded looking him in the face of which i shall be mindful yet i am not any longer the baroness von i am mrs francis norgate and i have promised to obey my husband in all manner of ridiculous things at the same time may i add something which will perhaps help you to accept the position with more philosophy my husband is a friend of herr the count glanced quickly towards norgate there was some relief in his face a great deal of distrust however baroness he said my advice to you for your own good entirely is with all respect to your husband that you shorten your honeymoon and pay your respects to the emperor i think that you owe it to him i think that you owe it to your country anna for a moment was grave again just at present she pronounced i realize one debt only and that is to my husband i will come to the embassy to-morrow and discuss these matters with you count but whether my husband accompanies me or not i have now no secrets from him the position then the count declared is intolerable may i ask whether you altogether realize baroness what this means the emperor is your guardian all your estates are subject to his jurisdiction it is his command that you return to vienna anna laughed again she passed her fingers through norgate's arms you see she explained as they stood for a moment at the corner of the street i have a new emperor now and he will not let me go Seligman frowned a little as he recognized his visitor nevertheless he rose respectfully to his feet and himself placed a chair by the side of his desk my dear count he exclaimed i am very glad to see you but this is an unusual visit i would have met you somewhere or come to the embassy have we not agreed that it was well for herr Seligman, the crockery manufacturer that is all very well Seligman, the count interrupted but this morning i have had a shock It was necessary for me to talk with you at once. In Bond Street I met the Baroness von Haas. For twenty-four hours London has been ransacked in vain for her. This you may not know, but I will now tell you. She has been our trusted agent, the trusted agent of the Emperor, in many recent instances. She has carried secrets in her brain, messages to different countries. There is little that she does not know. The last twenty-four hours, as I say, I have sought for her, The Emperor requires her presence in Vienna. I met her in Bond Street this morning, and she introduces to me her husband, an English husband, Mr. Francis Norgate. He drew back a little, with outstretched hands. Seligman's face, however, remained expressionless. Married already, he commented. Well, that is rather a surprise. A surprise, to be frank, it terrifies me, the Count cried. Heaven knows what that woman could tell an Englishman if she chose and her manner. I do not like it. The only reassuring thing about it was that she told me that her husband was one of your men.' "'Quite true,' Seligman assented. "'He is. It is only recently that he came to us, but I do not mind telling you that during the last few weeks no one has done such good work. He is the very man we needed. You have trusted him?' "'I trust, and I do not trust,' Seligman replied. "'That you know. I have employed this young man in very useful work. I cannot blindfold him. He knows.' "'Then I fear treachery,' the Count declared. "'Have you any reason for saying that?' Seligman asked. The Count lit a cigarette with trembling fingers. "'Listen,' he said. "'Always, my friend, you undervalue a little the English race. You undervalue their intelligence, their patriotism, their poise towards the serious matters of life. I know nothing of Mr. Francis Norgate save what I saw this morning.' "'He is one of that type of Englishman, clean-bred, well-born, full of reserve, taciturn, yet, I would swear, honourable. I know the type, and I do not believe in such a man being your servant.' The shadow of anxiety crossed Seligman's face. "'Have you any reason for saying this?' he repeated. "'No reason save the instinct which is above reason,' the Count replied quickly. "'I know that if the Baroness and he put their heads together, we may be under the shadow of catastrophe.' Seligman sat with folded arms for several moments. "'Count,' he said at last, "'I appreciate your point of view. You have, I confess, disturbed me. Yet of this young man I have little fear. I did not approach him by any vulgar means. I took, as they say here, the bull by the horns. I appealed to his patriotism.' "'To what?' the Count demanded incredulously. "'To his patriotism,' Seligman repeated. "'I showed him the decadence of his country.' decadence visible through all her institutions, through her political tendencies, through her young men of all classes. I convinced him that what the country needed was a bitter tonic, a kind but chastening hand. I convinced him of this. He believes that he betrays his country for her ultimate good. As I told you before, he has brought me information which is simply invaluable. He has a position and connections which are unique.' The Count drew his chair a little nearer. "'You say that he has done you great service,' he said. "'Well, you must admit for yourself that the day is too near now for much more to be expected. Could you not somehow guard against his resolution breaking down at the last moment? Think what it may mean to him, the sound of his national anthem at the critical moment, the clash of arms in the distance, the call of France across the Channel. A week, even half a week's extra preparation, might make much difference.' Seligman sat for a short time, deep in thought. Then he drew out a box of pale looking German cigars and lit one. Count, he announced solemnly, I take off my hat to you. Leave the matter in my hands. Chapter thirty five recording by Tom Weiss audiobooks dot